What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Whiskey and War Stories. We are your hosts, Sergio, Jaime, I'm Q. What up, homies? What's up, brother? How How's it going? I'm doing good, man. Actually, I'm, Hola, I'm, amigos. I'm doing as best as I can. So, for the listeners out there, um, I'm going to sound a little weird this episode. I just got some uh, some dental work today, so it feels like, well, I kind of have a retainer in my mouth. Mm. You mean um, you're going to sound more weird? <laughs> that's just because uh I, you're, you're getting a little big chesty all right i get it i get it you, you know, know why right because you started working out at the corner gym no <laughs> because there's three marines in here again. outnumbered again well hold on. Be- before we get into that let's <laughs> let's uh let's uh <laughs> let's get into what we usually do as far as our dedication um as customary we always dedicate this episode to or a episode to a fallen hero and uh sergio if you can go ahead and uh talk to us about the fallen hero yeah, we're going a little bit different this time is this time it's a police officer detective pedro a foruria senior from new york city police department new york and the watch was wednesday august 25th of 2021 uh, Detective Pedro Foruria died as a result of cancer that he developed following his assignment to search and recovery efforts at the World Trade Center site following the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Damn. Detective Foruria had served with the New York City Police Department for 20 years. He is survived by his wife, four children, and five grandchildren. Rest in peace, brother. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. And, uh... The bottle we are choosing with, um, it was actually bought, uh, it was uh, gifted to us by our guest of honor for tonight, um, and he actually brought in the Wiseman. Um, we thought we didn't drink this, but I think we did on like one of the very first episodes. I think it was the Memorial Day one, maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly. But um, still a really good one, so we appreciate you for, for bringing that and, and letting us toast to this. Um, the Wiseman Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, American made, America. Well, when are we gonna start our business? Yeah. You guys know that. Our, our distillery? Yeah. I don't know. Can't when say that yet. I can <laughs> pull money out of my butt. That's that's <clears throat> right. I'll try. Um, that's an expensive uh, business to get into, brother. I want to give a little shout out to Sergio's wife. Oh Rachel. yeah, Rachel. Yeah, she bought us these uh, beautiful. <laughs> yeti mugs that actually have uh whiskey and war stories engraved and then yes the uh, microphone which is kind of like our logo our logo mm-hmm. on the back side of it so uh rachel shout out to you cheers for this cheers day. rachel thank you so thank much you so the plan is we have to switch every other week with nikki's glass and then rachel's <laughs> Uh, Yeti mug for the fair whiskey. enough that's fair, fair enough yeah. um but with without further ado um I'd like to introduce our next guest. Um, I actually asked him to jump on with us. Um, I know him uh, through uh, barbering. Um, When I was going through barber school, he actually was in the process of becoming an instructor for the school. Um, Found out that he was a Marine Marine vet and uh, we just kind of kept in touch through social media. And uh, once we started this, I knew I wanted to have him on. But uh, without further ado, Henry Navarez. Cheers, brother. Thank you, everybody. Cheers, Thanks cheers, for having cheers. me. Cheers, cheers, oh, of course. Cheers, cheers brother. Everyone. Thank you for joining us. Um, and you guys are popping my cherry. This is uh, my first <laughs> podcast ever, so I'm we, I'm we, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you say that because we always ask. That's we why always, I brought you a gift. <laughs> we we always ask every <laughs> single uh, every single guest that we've had on so far. We're like, oh, is this your first time? And 
Um, I think there's only been one person so far that, ha- or no, two. It was Doc and then, Ryan. Um, yeah, Ryan, yeah. that that they've they've done podcasts. So hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. thank Edward. you guys. We I love popping cherries. So yeah, we, we do love popping cherries. Yes, sir. So, um, that's why yeah. you got a gift. I'm <laughs> yeah. <telling> you. <laughs> uh, but actually, going back to the bottle, um, I think Henry started a trend. So Henry actually brought us a, a, a bottle as a gift, and it was the Wiseman, like I mentioned. Um, so. I don't know. Actually, I, I don't think we should do that just yet because <laughs> I feel like that's like they're, they're way trying to buy into their the, like. Let's just let's just build up a little bit. We'll we'll build up a little bit. And what you were gonna you were gonna suggest that our guests be the one to bring the bottle of whiskey? Yes, yes. But don't don't put this on just me, Ricky Bobby. Like <laughs> this, it's it, it's, this, it's kind of one of those things that this I do. Is a as collective. Well. It's Look at the, I like to uh, <clears> you know I. I like to support my friends when it comes to their businesses or anything that they're trying to excel in. And so um, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's like my signature, but mm-hmm. it's something that I do for majority of my friends. They open businesses, they start salons, they start barbershops. And, uh, you know, I just want to help encourage their goals. You nice. Know? So nice. Well, we, hey, we, we thank you for that. Yeah, we appreciate thank it. You. And to any future guests coming on. You know, we're we're not going to mandate you bring a bottle of whiskey on, but it would be I greatly mean, appreciated. If you want to bring a bottle of whiskey, we're not going to stop you. <laughs> exactly. I, I think so. the only exception is the the gold bar. And David would be the one to bring it on yeah. once he comes back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. But bef- before we jump into uh your your time in service, uh, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? Uh, let's see. Man, I'm 42 years old. I'm, uh, I got a family. I'm married been married since shoot it's been a long time <laughs> i gotta give you guys a date now it's been uh i've been married since 2010 okay um you know she's she's been a, a real huge part of uh where why i'm at and where i'm at today mm-hmm. um you know have somebody who supports you you're gonna go pretty far um but i got two boys one 12 year old one six about to be seven um a lot of my time is just dedicated to them you know oh, i nice. think uh i think a lot of the the path that i'm on right now has to do with them i dedicate majority of my time and and i sacrifice whatever it is that i need to sacrifice to be there for them nice. so they so they have a good childhood and yeah. and, and grow up to be good men nice That's love awesome. that man yeah love that um so i i had mentioned that that i met you through barbering um yes can you can you give us a little background into into how you got into that and what you do now um, so I've I've always been cutting. I've I've cut hair since the seventh grade. It's it's one of those things where I just didn't want to rely on anybody. Mm. Um, so I took it upon myself to try to figure out how to cut hair. It started off at that time when I was in seventh grade with the step. I don't know if you guys remember that haircut or know about that haircut. No. It was just a a bowl haircut, uh, <laughs> just straight. Up, I'm telling you, no fade or nothing. Just the oh, bowl straight haircut. It was it all was the way a, around. It was a pre taquache. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah it was a it was a, a step haircut you know razored all the way down to the skin um there's no way possible that you could not get just get a straight line all the way around your head <laughs> so it was like super easy and then eventually it developed into the fade and um you know i grew up i didn't grow up poor well i think every, we i didn't think i was poor because everybody around us in the general area kind of had the same type of living yeah so it didn't really seem like we were poor until we got older people would point out certain things and um it was super hard for my mom and my dad to provide or get us haircuts because there was three three boys three of us wow um three boys three girls so six of us wow. 
Um, and wh- where did you where did you grow up? I grew up in Ontario. Okay. Yeah, so I grew local. up in Ontario. Bo- born and raised, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Nice. Um, whole life in Ontario. Um, so I know a lot of people every t- everywhere I walk. I'm like, <laughs> hey, what's up? And everyone's super surprised. But I'm like, well, I grew up here. So yeah. I know everybody. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Nice. Just like uh, the name we had talked about earlier. Yeah. So. Um, Anyways, yeah, I just got tired of just relying on on my buddies and my friends to cut my hair. I, you know, I would have to walk like maybe two blocks. I'd get to their house, knock on their door, ask for a haircut, and their mom would would have to tell them something like, "Hey, he can't cut hair because he's going to store with me." Mm, and so I'd have to walk okay. all the way back home without a haircut. You know, my mom pissed because I walked all the way over there without it to get a haircut. <laughs> I came back without one. My mom would get upset, like, "Why didn't you get your haircut?" So then, you know, I just, I just. I didn't want to have to wait for anybody. Yeah. And that's really how it all started. Started off cutting my own hair. Um, you know, after high school, went into the military, started cutting hair, in the, always cut hair in the military. That was kind of like one of my sidebar things when I deployed was like the haircut guy. Mm-hmm. My chew mate at the time, uh, which was an army guy, saw that I was like cutting my own hair in the chew. And he was like, hey, man, you hooked me up with a haircut. <laughs> I'm like, no, bro, I'm not cutting hair, you know, because I know it was going to get out that I cut hair and yeah. everybody's going to want a haircut. So, um, I mean, eventually that's what it turned into. Yeah. People coming down to my my chew, asking for a haircut, paying money for a haircut, yeah. and, and me just coming home with a bunch of money on the side. <laughs> <laughs> humble, saying, humble beginnings. Moon, moonlighting. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. you were pretty yeah. good at it because we uh, I was supplied, so we had everything. We had the clippers and everything. We gave each other haircuts. But yes. No, Nobody was knocking them. It was like, it was one of those things though, right? Like deployed. That's why you're not a barber. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly why I'm not a barber. Like nobody wanted to go to, I guess, like the, the, um, the barbershops that were on, on the fobs, you know? Yeah. Everybody was getting jacked up. So it's like, no, who knows how to cut good hair? You know, where's he at? And everybody, it was like the talk of the town who cuts good hair. Yeah. And if you had a pair of clippers, you're you're in there. You're golden. They they pay whatever they you ask. You know. Yeah. No, I feel like because I was similar with me when I was deployed, or even you know when we came back, it was same thing. And I was like, hey, you know, cute, cut my hair. All right, cool, sounds good. And then it just kind of rolls off. It's like, okay, who cuts hair? Oh, I cut hair. Now everybody's a barber, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody cuts hair. But Mm -hmm. like, who cuts legit good hair? Right. Yeah. Not this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously not. and so uh so you d- you did service um let's, let's get into that a little bit um uh who did you serve with and, and how long man so i served 13 years i joined in 1999 uh, fresh out of high school a month later i was off went to boot camp in 99 um ended up getting stationed with uh one five back in 2000 um the units weren't consolidated yet so i'm a pogue I'm, you know, I got nothing to hide. I'm a straight up hog. <laughs> I was stationed with the Victor unit. So uh, we were assigned to basically a battalion. There was no regiment at the time where that was consolidated. So pretty much everything that the the unit was doing, we were doing with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they were going out to the field, going on humps, stuff like that. That was that was what we did until we initially uh, consolidated. But um, did four years active, got off got out of the marine corps i was uh, out for like a year and then ended up getting recalled in 05 um they sent the package through stop loss yeah well th- that's another thing yeah so if you if you were in or you f- if you were going to end of active service november and on they implemented stop loss for anybody that was in in 2003 mm. so if you were in in 2003 and your eas was like november on 
for sure you were stop loss was was implemented for you wow i got out in september off active duty so i, I made it just by like 30 days <laughs> yeah. so i ended up getting out you know and uh it's kind of one of those things where like i had a job i had everything set up i was doing land surveying after i got off active duty doing four years and so i didn't really see in a reason to stay in mm. I, I mean land surveying was making great money at the time so you know i didn't really see a reason to stay in i ended up just getting out because i felt like i had a plan mm-hmm. but uh, things changed man the economy crashed you know yeah. economy yeah. went to crap so some of the listeners may not know what stop loss is can you kind of explain what that mm-hmm. is yeah so stop loss is pretty much the military telling you you're not getting out of the military until they <laughs> tell you to <laughs> um at the time you know uh 2003 obviously we had two, uh 911 in yeah. 2001 mm-hmm. so so stuff was like kicking up mm-hmm. and um a lot of a lot of military were getting out a lot of them didn't even they didn't even want to go to war so mm-hmm. they wanted to get out and um at the time the numbers just weren't met so yeah. the marine corps was like hey if you have if you were in during this time to this time you're not getting out you're gonna have to stay in mandatory for another year yeah. regardless you don't have a choice mm. yeah. and how yeah. did that how did that make you feel that you were <laughs> honestly i i i was happy that i had a plan that i got out but i was like a little devastated that i was kind of leaving my buddies behind it's it was like one of those things that ate me up where i felt like i was kind of being a coward because i got out because uh, uh, a lot of my buddies that ended up staying in ended up going you know they went to iraq they invaded they came back with combat action ribbons and um me serving with these guys i knew they were great marines you know they were hardcore they were hard hard guys and it it killed me a little bit that i kind of felt like i was running away from something mm. so it, it was eating me up a little bit you know that I was at home enjoying my freedom and working a regular job while they were on stop loss or they were still on active duty, but they were overseas in Iraq. So mm. I would hear stories, you know, from their parents or from buddies of mine who were uh, at the time just writing letters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it was it was tough. It, it was one of those things where I, I, I'm not sure they have a term for it, some kind of remorse, you know, but there's a term for it, some yeah. mi- a military term for it. I'm not it's sure what it's called. It's it's almost like survivor's guilt in a sense. Yeah, yeah. right, right. You know, even, even though, you know, they may not have died, it's the fact that they're still there, you know, fighting or they're still in country, then here you are, mm-hmm. you know. I right. think we talked about this on previous episodes. Yeah. That we, yeah, it's just we've regret, experienced that, yeah. regret that you have, and it just kind of eats up inside you until you kind of realize or come to terms with it. Yeah. Yeah, it took a lot. It took a lot, like, you know, I was uh, just working my regular job, but economy crashed, and um, I ended up getting called back in. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt I felt somewhat redeemed that I was able to prove myself, you yeah, know, even yeah. though I really didn't have anything to prove. Yeah. Um, but at that point, at that point in time, I did feel like I was able to gather myself back up and just do what I do, be be a good Marine, be hardcore, and just go yeah. see if I could get in the fight, you know? Yeah. Now, how'd you feel once you got that, that stop loss letter? Um, well, when I got recalled, yeah, um, I was shocked. I was like, what the hell is this shit? Yeah. You know, I opened the package. It had a plane ticket in it. It had the orders. I called, called the number. <laughs> and I was like, I guess the trick was on me, you know? Yeah. Like, they, they wait for you to call the number. Yeah. So you call the number, and they're like, oh, hey, Star Navarre, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. What, what is this documentation? What, you are the, what are these orders, you know? You call, and the first thing that picks up is this. 
<laughs> no, it's, it's like, I think the it's the emotional that? damage. Yeah, true. That's, <laughs> you, had a, you had a plane ticket? Yeah, they, they sent it, the plane ticket. Yep. Dude, it, that's how fast real? it is. It's just like, hey, come back and come back now. Well, that's they were they were struggling to get, <laughs> to get anybody to come back in. Like, numbers were down. Yeah, so yeah. they were recalling reservists, activating reservists, I mean. They were recalling IRR Marines, everything. So it was like... It, so was, it was it was sh- it was a shock but you you had the physical ticket like they sent you a physical actual, ticket yeah, with everything plane ticket, yeah, that, plane is, ticket. that is like the um, biggest flex uncle sam oh, could yeah, do on you saying sure. you are voluntold mm. yeah like, come back you were, were voluntelling you and to come back nothing you could do about no it. no you signed the contract i no. mean i wasn't the only one but most mo- what most people fail to realize is that when you do sign up for a contract you actually sign a six-year contract yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's so, true mm-hmm. so a lot of the marines that were in that got recalled they were i've been out i don't know what IR. the heck i got this yeah i'm ir whatever yeah inactive ready reserve yep. but i don't think you realize <laughs> and read that little fine print that it actually says six-year contract so yeah. you're you're subjectable to be recalled at any time during Damn. this inactive ready reserve time yeah Damn. so you know but i thought initial reaction i was shocked i was like what the hell is this um i might have even called the number before and that's how i that's how they got a hold of me they said check mark he called us okay he's on the list he which means that he sucker uh, yeah they're like <laughs> call this number for a good time <laughs> <laughs> what what happened to your uniforms because as soon as i got out i i pretty much chucked them that was, uh, that was it. i think part of me living with that regret right getting out um i kept my uniforms mm. so I, I felt like there's still something there that I, that I need to complete. Yeah. Wait, you don't you don't have any of your uniforms? I was just gonna say that you threw them wow. away, dude. I I literally I have at least one combat uniform that I wore when I was out there, and I still have my dress blues. I have all of them. I don't have all I, of them. I have everything. Uh, I yeah. have everything. I have everything. My brother, he he. Am he I the weird person me. for throwing uh, them out or, or what? I think. It, well, no, I'm not. Okay, no, I'm I'm not saying you're weird, but I think <clears throat> I don't know. I'm saying you're weird. Like I told <laughs> I told myself that I I don't want to throw away at least one combat uniform and my dress blues i'm yep. like i'm keeping those two at well, least this is a very sad story because what's one of my exes has my oh, dress blues. okay that's a different story <laughs> I, I don't want to go ask for them emotional <laughs> damage that's that's the only sorry that's the only uni- uniform that i have well, a good thing about had, i think had. one of the good things about him doing that with his uniforms is the fact that he's ready to move on a, l- a, yeah, lot, of, a lot of veterans struggle with that. I struggle with that. Because I was going to hit him with the, I don't know if you guys have seen the Loki meme, where it's like, yes, how sad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I know my brother had served in the Corps, too. He did four years active. And when he got out, he, he had zero uniforms. Like, mm-hmm. he, he just got rid of them. And I was, like, thinking, what the heck, what are you doing? Yeah. Why, why are you throwing your uniforms I away? S- I still have my shower shoes, and then remember the oh, sh- the geeks. Well, the geek strap, but it was it was it called glow, another name. They called, they, they called it another name, but it was the strap. <laughs> then you go like for the road the road guards. Remember that the glow worm. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. It was, they, would call, they would call it a fag strap. That's what they called it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't oh, know what they called that, but oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I the army the, the army calls it something else, though, right? Um, I think safety belt. Uh, no, no. Um, it's like a reflective belt. Yeah, it's yeah, a reflective yeah, belt, yeah. but they got a name um, for it. Oh I my know, gosh, I, I can't think of it. it. It was like the joke of the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that was funny. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it was those belts were the dumbest things, man. They were the dumbest things. I remember we had to take them to Afghanistan with us. And they're like, oh, if you guys are in PT uniform, you guys got to put on that, yeah. that belt. I'm like, 
So you want us to be incognito, and we're wearing this bright belt. That makes, was an Iraq thing too. Makes yeah. it make it make Everywhere. sense. Like yeah. I don't get it. But um. And the go fasters. Yeah, too. <laughs> with the reflectors shining, you can see them far <laughs> far away, right? <laughs> All right. So so you get pushed back in. Um. Any any tours? Uh, I did one tour. I did a tour in Iraq. Um. It's it's a little different for me. You know, I didn't see any combat, but I was attached, however, to an army unit, three corps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was working for the J1, and uh, J1 pretty much handles entertainment. They handle flight manifests coming in and out of Iraq. Um, they do a lot. J1 yeah. um, pretty much to keep the morale up, y- right? Yeah. So I w- since I was working for J1, initially I had taken over a sergeant that was supposed to go to Iraq. He tore his a- ACL like I want to say like literally three or four days before he was supposed to take off towards acl obviously he couldn't go they're like hey you you're going <laughs> i was like well what am i gonna do <laughs> hey you with that belt they're like <laughs> go you're, you're no going. shoes <laughs> i had no idea i was like well what is he what is he what's his billet what is he supposed to yeah. do out there because there were no marines in iraq in 2010 there was only six of us so i'm talking about like six in all of iraq wow there was a full bird colonel a master sergeant uh two sergeants myself and another sergeant mm-hmm. a corporal and a gunnery sergeant e7 mm. so you know i was like what's going on here what are we here for I was, I was like i had so many questions but um initially when i got to north carolina to process and do everything get my shots my vaccinations and stuff um your anthrax pox pretty much yeah <laughs> a big old bubble on mm-hmm. your arm mm-hmm. um <laughs> they they broke it down like hey you're gonna be working at j1 i'm not sure exactly what they're gonna have you doing but you're gonna work at j1 well when i got there uh, they had me working with one of the E7s helping. She was supposed to train me on how to do uh, flight manifests and stuff. Um, but on the, on the, at the same time, I was doing I was doing security like it's just duty pretty much at the general general of uh, of all of Iraq, his building. Yeah. Uh, once they saw me, he had a question. He's like, what are you doing here? And I don't, <laughs> like he was like surprised. And what, what the hell is a Marine doing here? Yeah. I was like, I don't know, sir. I'm just told to be here. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm here anyways, so I won't get fined. Well, yeah, it's one of those things, you know. He told me he he started asking like, what am I doing here? Who who I work under? I gave him my commanding officer's name and um after that, they just started they pretty much asked my commanding officer if I can pull duty with them to uh provide security for entertainment on and off the fobs. Uh, so I did security for, you know, like a country singer Michael Peterson. Mm. Uh, I did security for for Ja Rule. Oh, nice! I did security for him. Nice. Um, ja Rule. Yeah, there's a there's a couple guys that went <laughs> out there. There's a a singer uh, good. Tank. Oh, if you guys. Oh know. yeah, yeah, R and B. Yeah, he R&B. was out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a f- uh, band uh, Fresh. They're based out of San Diego. Did security for them. Nice. And this is just like we were doing convoys. Um, with the with the contractors and the Aussies, some even we would do missions through the army. Like yeah. they would provide the MRAPs and stuff. Mm. But for the most part, we were doing security and armored excursions. That's dope. Yeah, so we would we would take the the convoy from our base, which is Camp Liberty, mm-hmm. to Fob Shield, like downtown Baghdad, to and from downtown Baghdad. Um, we would stay there for a couple of days and come back afterwards they provided their concerts and stuff now out of all the celebrities that you pull security for were there any of them that were you know 
just shitting their pants, having to go out into the streets. Uh, oh, well, you know, uh, Big Boy from Power 106, right? Yeah. He was out there, too, with Paul Wall and DJ Henry. Uh-huh. They went out there, and they, they, they looked a little nervous. I asked him, like, <laughs> hey, are you nervous? And he was like, nope, I've been here before. But, you know, it's a different story. Like, when you get out there, obviously, you're going to be nervous. Right. You know, I, I went into a country I'd never been to before, so obviously, I was nervous when I first got there. So you can kind of see it in their face, you know. And then <laughs> we took little small arms fire, nothing crazy. Yeah. Maybe even kids just throwing rocks at us. Yeah. And you can see that they were getting a little scared, like a, yeah. little, a little rattled. Like, but why did I sign up for this? Well, it's our job. It was our job <laughs> to kind of keep them calm, keep right. them mellow. You know, like I know the band Fresh that went out there, and we were doing security for. Like one of the guys was real nervous, and I was just like trying to calm him down. Hey, man, just stay calm. Like. You know, we got to focus on everything. Just getting there. You got, you got to stay calm. It is, it, that was his first time out there. Oh, so, okay. You know, they were nervous. Yeah, he was a little sketched out. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a good experience, but, you know, it, it, kind of filled the little void that I had with feeling like I never deployed. Mm-hmm. It obviously anybody who doesn't deploy is gonna feel like they're missing something, like they didn't contribute. You right. Know? Yeah. Or feel like they didn't contribute. And, yeah. and the truth is, is that, like, no, you want to experience combat, but then you don't. Yeah. And the ones that don't, the ones that do experience combat come, have to come back and live with that and then deal with the aftermath of trying to get better, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the struggle. Yeah, we, we, we've, we've said this before in previous episodes where, where it's like, you know, you, you ask for smoke until you actually get it. And you're like, oh, never mind. 100% I true. I yeah. don't want it. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I still, I mean, I, I don't deal with a lot of serious issues i know a lot of my brothers have dealt with going to combat and having to come back and deal with those issues but you know obviously you're going to deal with some kind of issues yeah and um it's it's a tough first step to get it to take to figure out how to deal with those Mm -hmm. issues as a veteran because we're so prideful oh yeah we're super prideful and we don't want to look weak Mm -hmm. and um that's why now I talk to a lot of my buddies who served, who are veterans, who I try to get into the system with the VA. As much as a lot of people knock the VA, I can't, I can't not once do, have I ever knocked the VA for the system that they provided for me and, and helping me get to where I'm at today. I think some of us have sang a different tune. But um, not me. It's I, a, I'm it's in the a same process. boat that he's in. Right. Any right. medical, any dental, yeah. well, not dental, any medical problems that I've had. I mean, I have never had a problem getting. Yeah. So, so you 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 do your your tour, you you come back stateside, you finish your contract. Um, I know you said you started cutting hair, so on and so forth. Um, but let's fast forward to to today. Mm-hmm. What do, what do you do now? So I work for the Veterans Affairs, uh, the homeless program. Um, we try to do everything that we can to try to help veterans get off the streets i mean there's been times we do a pit count which is uh we go out uh i think we just had one at the end of last year Uh, we go out to uh, san bernardino downtown san bernardino downtown riverside and uh we just try to find as many homeless veterans as we can and and try to Mm. give them information about our services and how to get better and uh we we really just want them to take the first step to come in yeah because uh, we want to help them right you know and there's a lot of resources there's so many resources out there that the va provides that a lot of veterans just don't know about yeah you know and so the vietnam veterans right now are the main ones who are barely starting to trickle in and get get help and services from the va mm-hmm. so it's it's crazy to think that they've went this long and 
there may have been resources back then. I don't want to say there was or there wasn't, mm-hmm. but it's crazy to think that majority of the veterans that are coming to the VA are from Vietnam. Yeah. You know, so now we, we want to try to push to get those OIF, OEF, you know, yeah. Iraqi, Afghanistan veterans in to try to get help. Yeah. They're trickling in. Yeah. The they are now. No, yeah. they're trickling in. I've mm-hmm. seen them at dental. I'm like, my, my youngest patient might be... 28 26 mm. wow but they're they're slowly but surely coming in um so you having to deal with or you working with homeless veterans um what are some what are some big issues that you see within the veteran community and those guys that are ending up on the streets addicted, addicted to drugs or things like that uh initially it's it's substance abuse mm-hmm. alcoholism um you know, they, they, they're trying to find outlets to deal with the issues that they're having daily. Right. You know, whether it, whether it be pain or PTSD or something related to military service. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't think they get that, hey, man, you have these issues because of the military. So right. let, let us provide some type of service to try to help you, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, the first step is, is really just trying to get into the door because it... it from all the rumors that you hear or even even your own experiences may not be a good one right? right in the past but like i didn't have a good experience with the va initially but throughout 10 years of the process that i've been going through i'm here today mm-hmm. you know and now i'm able to to work for this this uh organization that can help veterans or or i can even tell them my story you yeah. know on how how i got to where i'm at today yeah. when it comes to dealing with my issues or just making some adjustments and trying to be patient. Do you find that a lot of the homeless veterans that you deal with are a majority of them combat veterans or are they like just spread across the board? You got you got homeless veterans out there that weren't in combat but still dealt with issues. Um, because obviously you could still have post-traumatic stress and not have been to combat. Like right. That's a real thing. Right. Um, what's the statistic that you see out there? What, I think it's a little bit of both it's it's like half and half really and and a lot of it a lot of it obviously it's substance abuse but initially the problem that they're having they're not they're not dealing with it mm-hmm. so they turn to substance abuse or alcoholism so it could be something as simple as like hey my anger or my depression or anxiety ruined my marriage yeah and now i don't now i'm lonely now i don't have anybody I don't have no one to turn to. I'm going to turn to these issues. I mean, these uh, answers, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. which are going to be like alcohol, substance abuse on top of the issues that they're having while they deployed. Mm-hmm. But they don't realize that the anxiety or maybe even the depression generated from them deploying in the first place. Right. So they, they don't ever get the answers they need for those problems that they're having. So they obviously turn to substance abuse or alcohol. Mm-hmm. In your experiences, ha- have you noticed that for certain people, they can't, when they EAS, when they get out of the service, they have trouble adjusting because in the Marine Corps, everything is so, in every service, not just the Marine Corps, everything is so regimented, right? Like, it's so regimented. You live with people, there's a schedule, and some people, they have to live by a schedule, right? They have, right. They, they need that structure in their life, and when they don't have it, like, everything just falls apart. In your experiences, have you, have you met people like that, that they were successful in the Marine Corps, but the minute, the, or the service, and the minute they got out of the service, because they didn't have that structure, they didn't have that zero five reveille, they didn't have that PT, they didn't have the chow halls. 
you know, they didn't have any of that. Their, their life just fell apart. Yeah, I I have this conversation with with my my buddies who are veterans too, and I I explain to them because they're like, hey, have, what's going on with this veteran or you know this buddy that we have a mutual buddy, and um, we have this conversation like over and over again. And one of the things that I say is it's hard to come out of a, a structure or a day that provides so much for you. The military provides laundry. Mm-hmm. They provide chow halls. They provide you know, this structure of waking up and having a, a goal to attain for the day. And when you get out, it's like you're kind of just tossed over and like figure it out. Mm-hmm. Do it yourself. And if you don't have a plan or you didn't go to school while you were in the military and use that time or you didn't have a job when you got out, you're completely lost. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. I, I struggled a lot when I got out the second time. The first time I got out, I had a job lined up. So I was I was happy, you know. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a plan. Second time I got out, I really didn't have a plan. I came back from deployment, and I was still trying to deal with, with having this idea that I just want to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had this, this, this void that I needed to be filled that, I didn't feel like I was worth anything coming back home because it was just a regular life again. Mm. But out there, my buddies, the sergeant first class that I was pulling security with or doing uh, missions with, like we had each other's back and I knew like he trusted me to protect him. Yeah. And that was like a big, that was a huge, you know, weight on my shoulder that I felt like I could, I could provide that for him. So coming back, I was like just a normal average person again hey go do this and you're great but it wasn't like hey bro i know you got me we're good i think the i think the big you know one of the big issues with us getting out and trying to readjust is that we lose that sense of purpose you know we live our life and we're in this contract and you know we're doing x y and z day in and day out um and you get out and you're just like well what do i do now you know where, where am i going that was a big one for me is mm-hmm. i felt like i lost my sense of purpose i didn't know what right. i was you know doing anymore essentially i'm like well where do i go from here you know you're at a fork in the road in the road and you're just kind of trying to figure out which direction you're going to take because the next the next road you take is going to dictate the next half of your life right you know and we were so you know drilled and um everything was just structured for us and i'm not gonna lie i think the reason why a lot of veterans struggle getting out and getting into the va is because when you're in everything is literally like handed to us like anything we need it's right there at the palm of our hands we can make appointments easily things like that and when we get out having to go to the va like we've said this in a couple episodes prior um it does feel like there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through right you know you put in a claim go to this appointment and then go here and then do this and then it's a waiting game um but uh and then if you miss that appointment oh you got to start all over again yeah and it's like i've been there that's where the frustration yeah. kicks in for the veterans and that's why they do not want to go through the system because it's like hey i just had a bad day i missed the appointment you right know, like i just did not make it or you even call to cancel mm. and okay yeah we'll set you another appointment four months from now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know <laughs> But uh, th- I mean, now they're now they're getting better with it because they'll provide community service. Which yeah. is, if your appointment is going to be scheduled thirty days out, you can go see an outside provider through community service. I want to I want to echo something you said. I think it's super important, especially for our listeners that maybe have loved ones that have been in the service. Um, they may not understand this, but you said when you came back, you wanted to go back. 
Right. Yes, I did. Um, I, so kind of talk about that a, a little bit, like why why you want to go back. I think that's so important because a lot of people experience that and significant others when they're, you know, when their husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend comes back and they see that they're experiencing that same thing, you know, they question like, well, you don't love me. Mm. You, you're back with mm. me. You don't want to be with me. You'd rather be back. So kind of explain like what you mean when you said that like you wanted to go back. I think it has to do with a lot with just being a man in general. Like I, I felt like I was needed providing protection, you know, as, as men in general. Like men in general want to provide protection for their family, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want anything to happen to your family. You're going to do whatever it takes to protect your family. Mm -hmm. And so one of those things for me was like I felt like I, I, I was wanted out there. They would call me up. Hey, we got this mission going on tomorrow. This is who we're. This is who's going to be in the vehicles. We're going to be in vehicle number one, vehicle number two, and everything was so structured. And it's like, even though you know I wasn't a I wasn't a grunt, but I had background training because I served with grunt units, so I was able to feel like I was I was worth something. Right. You know, not just somebody who like can coordinate some flight manifests or work on a computer. Yeah. It, so. So let me ask you this: um, When you deployed, were you married? Uh, no, I wasn't. No, we're in a relationship or anything like that. Yeah, I was with my my wife. But yeah, when I came back from deployment, we got we got engaged. Um, at the time, did you have kids though? Uh, so my wife, phew, my wife was pregnant during the time when I was deployed. Okay. So. <laughs> so so here's here's my question that you know, I get what you're saying that you wanted to go back because you know the whole protection side of it. Um, but as a man, you say, you know, doing this because it makes you feel like a man. Um, how would you have felt though, if you were to go back, hypothetically speaking, obviously, mm -hmm. if you were to go back because you wanted to feel like a man to provide that protection, so on and so forth, you left your wife and kid behind and then something happens to him, to them here. I was, I was so clouded, like my mind and my judgment was so clouded that I was like stuck in this time frame that I just didn't want to move on from. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what I, I struggled with that. You know, it was like, I was antsy all the time. I was, I was still working out at like two in the morning and I didn't even have to, you know, <laughs> but it was like one of those things where I didn't want to come out of this routine because then I might've even felt like I wasn't worth anything. Maybe. Do you think that well, yeah. Do you think that you kept that routine, that mindset, because you felt like once you walked away from that structure, that routine, you're losing a part of yourself? Yes, of course. 100%. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that that's what veterans struggle with right now? Yeah, because, you know, it, I think when you're in the military, you, you feel like you're worth something. Everybody has a job. Everybody has something specific that they're good at. And that's what you're going to do. So it's like you come out with those skills or those tools on your belt. And they just don't matter anymore unless you probably go into law enforcement which those skills are relevant right mm -hmm. but w what is that going to do for me i know how to shoot a gun but i know how to cut hair you know like <laughs> it's like hey who wants to shoot this gun in this barbershop you know like right. no it just it just doesn't work no more you know right so it's it's a struggle like i got all these tools on my belt but nothing to do nothing to show for them right, really right. and so you feel you feel a little worthless at times well i feel a little i felt a little worthless like yeah. I had all these skills, but I wasn't putting them to use. You know, I had yeah. nothing to, to show for it, really. Well, you know, like, like I've said before, it's I, I think a lot of us get out and we have that that varsity quarterback mentality where you know it's, one, it's yeah. been it's been years since you've been in high school, but you're still trying to play your highlight reels, 
and it's like nah bro like now now find your new purpose right showing up with the letterman jacket and stuff yeah, exactly yeah, yeah yeah exactly trying to crush some 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 25 cent wings and well that you know that's <laughs> that's huge with veterans too that you know, you talk to right away the first thing that oh you serve you're a veteran yeah i'm a veteran oh what'd you serve in oh marine corps oh, i was a marine i was in the marine corps too this is what i did and they start giving you the backstory of like how great they were when mm-hmm. the, in the marine corps and I had always tell, told myself, like, I do not want to be that veteran, you know? <laughs> I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to talk about what I did or, like, I don't want to make it seem anything like I'm bragging because I didn't really do anything. Right. But yet you have veterans that just sit there and they'll tell their whole life story of wh- how they were in the Marine Corps and they only served, like, a year. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, Serge <laughs> has brought up some situations as well that he's ran into some people, too. Um, and, and as as have I. Um and i think we've all said before that that um you you can you can spot out you know a veteran that's like fluffing up stories or like trying to pull the dick measuring contest because at the end of the day like we're not here the three of us we're not doing this to 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 you know have a dick measuring contest or you know one up each other's stories right um i i I talked to you about Jaime a little bit i kind of mentioned what he's gone through and and the craziest part is he's he he i rarely hear him talk about his situations you know and and but to me like i i I know who he is i know he's a great person and i think ultimately as as veterans i would just you know never focus on that you know i I flip-flopped a lot about even coming in here because i didn't feel like i had much to offer as far as like a story you know or like service and experience um but talking to a buddy of mine he's my running buddy we go running every sunday um he made a good point that you know us telling our stories mean something to each other but uh, to civilians they don't really understand unless you break it down for Mm -hmm. them and you explain to them in detail about what you've been through right so explaining your story to a civilian and giving them details about military anything military they start to have this imagination about like what you went through Mm -hmm. and they paint this picture but us talking together as veterans I can just ask like hey what'd you do in the military mm-hmm. or what'd you do in the military and we're we're already there like mm-hmm. we don't have to you know paint no picture or nothing yeah. it's just like we give mm-hmm. two small details and we i can i can tell you like what kind of marine he was or right or whatever so you know i give a lot of credit to those marines or anybody that served in the military who actually went through combat because mm-hmm. i feel for them mm-hmm. you know on top of the the very small issues that i dealt with coming back I could only imagine what they have to go through and what they deal with when they come back right. in combat, you know? Even even when they weren't in combat, all the freaking games that they played, it's, oh, yeah. it's ridiculous, yeah. but it's it served a purpose. On, um, I'm, sure you, <laughs> I'm sure you played all these games, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but they serve a purpose, right? Yeah. It, makes, it purpose. made me an excellent cleaner at everything. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm OCD. <laughs> I, I will say that, man. I remember... <laughs> deploying and then coming back and and dealing with uh with you know the garrison politics um and having to do the cleaning and all this dumb stuff i'm just like man you know and also in those moments i was like i just wish i was back over there because you know we didn't have to deal with any of this nonsense you know any of like oh you know sweep up the the sergeant major's parking spot things like that i'm like brother really come on well, yeah, well, I was in, since I was in 99 to 03 on, on active duty at first, I went from the transition garrison to war. So, mm-hmm. you know, to combat when it, when the war kicked off. So, yeah, that was a lot of just like 
hurry up and wait type mm-hmm. stuff, you know, or yeah. clean this or inspection this or hump here or, you know, bunch of little stuff that is just like, why are we doing this? Yeah. And then it kicks off and it's like, oh, now I know why I got to do all these humps or now I know why we, we got to get all our gear ready, stuff yeah. like that, you know? So bringing it back um, to you working with the VA and, and, and trying to get um, our homeless veterans the help that they need, um, what is the percentage that you see of these veterans actually taking the help? It's starting to get, the percentage is actually starting to get a lot higher now. Okay. Before it wasn't, and I think just because they weren't aware of the resources that were there, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think they realized, they didn't even realize that there were so many resources out there that we can get them a job we could put them in a home we can get them housing or like even then they go out they want to sleep in a bed for the night like that's paid for you know if they're in the program if they're in our homeless veteran program first Mm. hud vash so um a lot of it is taking that first step to come in and say hey i'm homeless i don't know what to do you know and then we go from there so so if there's if there's someone that isn't homeless and you know comes up to you and says oh you know i want to get help from the va um what what is some advice you'd give to a veteran just getting out um or that has been out and is just lost so the first thing that i tell veterans i've i've even told a buddy of mine i've told my brother uh my hub is out of rancho here in rancho so i walked into rancho i said hey i'm a veteran i had my 214 i said i got discharged on this date um i just don't have services i'm not even in the system what do i do Mm -hmm. and then they go from there they start asking you questions about like hey did you deploy did you did you serve in combat yes i did deploy Mm -hmm. oh when did you deploy in 2010 Mm -hmm. where'd you go iraq okay well here's what you need to do fill out this paperwork it's like a questionnaire basic stuff you know did you see combat are you suffering from nightmares do you have anxiety stuff like that and and the best advice that I could give a veteran is be honest, mm-hmm. like be truthful. I know it, it's a little shot to your pride, you know, at first, like it was for me. I wanted to, I wanted to lie on those questionnaires. I didn't oh. want to be like, no, I don't drink every day, <laughs> you know, but honestly, <laughs> that was a huge reason why I was dealing with a lot of my issues, mm-hmm. you know, alcohol was, I was just masking it with alcohol for a yeah. long time until I started getting help. But once I started being completely honest with myself, it was not a smooth ride i'll tell you right now yeah. i've been in this process for about 10 years now mm-hmm. and um the first i want to say first three to five years was like so rocky had to see a therapist and you know start from the root of my problems yeah. and um but it was something that i was willing to do i wanted to get better i wanted to like get help and i didn't want to be someone that was going to jeopardize what i had because i was being prideful mm. and that that's huge with veterans are huge with men you Mm -hmm. know and so i was able to tell my story later on to a bunch of veterans and 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 the barber career actually helped Mm help me with that i would talk to um my clients come in oh you're a veteran oh cool man hey what's up yeah man me too i'm a veteran oh where'd you serve you know all those questions and then finally hey man well you're you in the system no No, man i'm not (laughs) why not man fuck that you know i don't even <laughs> fuck the va you know heard that so many times yeah right. fuck the va i don't i don't want to man if the va is fucking full of shit you know yeah. and then i'm able to tell them my testimony i'm able to give them my experience and tell them hey bro i've been going through the system for like 10 years man mm-hmm. like i've had legit issues i've had legit surgeries through the va that they paid for mm-hmm. like 
that were service connected you know mm-hmm. and um I, that's the only thing i could tell them i give them a little push and it's good to hear that they they've jumped into the system to get help and they are they are on the way to you know yeah getting better so if you don't mind us touching on this um outside of the physical ailments that you that you know veterans deal with from from being in um you said you you received therapy mm-hmm. um getting out and, and going through the va now how has therapy helped you this far in your life it gave me patience it, it made me realize that a lot of the issues that i was having was because i was generating them and i was like yeah i was finding i was finding excuses <laughs> you know well when you, and you come to realization and you see that it's like hey as soon as you stop blaming your problems on everybody else and that you caused them you know then you start to figure out how you can fix them yeah so and obviously i, I one of them was alcohol for me i was drinking all the time mm-hmm. and uh obviously you drink all the time you you have a chance of running into depression you have a chance mm-hmm. of running into anxiety you're not productive you're this you're not that so once i was finally able to get control over that like my 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 day and my life started changing and and how productive it was and what type of person i was and how how uh easily agitated i wasn't you know like i was able to be a good barber and treat my clients respectfully because i was getting a hold of that Mm, and if i wouldn't even head in that direction there's no way that i was going to be able to deal with people every day yeah now your therapy was one-on-one or yeah so initially they have you do therapy in a group and i was like f this i'm not going to sit here with these other veterans like Mm. talking about how the course changed and you're you're p-u-s-s-y you know because you didn't serve in in our time and mm-hmm. you're not hardcore and i was just like i was fed up with that you know mm-hmm. i'm like shut the fuck up man you don't know <laughs> shit That's like this ain't 1980 no more 19 you know right. whatever you served like yeah. get over yourself yeah and it was more like going at it with them and then at the end they would be oh man you know we're just we're all veterans we're cool and i'm I was just fed up with them just talking shit, you yeah. know, and that's why I think a lot of veterans now don't want to deal with the older veterans because it's this tussle of like it's like cor- a it's like good boys club. Yeah, like yeah. the core was harder when I served, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh well, we didn't wear this when you guys wore it, and I'm like, who cares, man? Yeah. I didn't want, I don't I don't care. I'm here for myself to get help. I yeah. don't care about your story. But yeah. um, that's as far as I made it with the group therapy. Yeah, so they have group therapy, and I honestly I, I didn't like it. I complained a lot. I complained a lot all the time so i would complain to my my provider i would tell him hey f this group you know like i'm not doing it no mm-hmm. oh well we can, we have this other group for you nope not doing it i want one-on-one therapy mm-hmm. oh well you know well, well we'll put it in a consult or whatever for that nope I, I want one-on-one therapy wow and um i'm telling you like i kept i kept bugging over and over and over again and i was like i'm gonna make a complaint i'm gonna make a complaint <laughs> like get me one-on-one therapy yeah so yeah finally eventually like they gave me one-on-one therapy but i'm telling you it was like when i say process i'm talking about like within a year wow so it wasn't it didn't happen just like overnight but it was (laughs) something that i just wanted to keep pursuing you know so for the two of you do you think that a lot of these veterans are so quick to turn around and walk away from the va because they're scared of the no and they're not willing to kick down doors to finally get the answers that they need i mean for me it was just a lot easier just to 
deal with it my own way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, if this is as far as what you're going to give me. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done with it. It's not helping me. Mm-hmm. I'll find something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, pe- people could, people can knock on doors and keep on trying to knock on, knock down that door and say, Hey, I need better service than this. Cause this is not working for me. Okay. So, but yeah, no, he does have a valid point. I mean, if you, you have to fight for what you believe, um, will help you for if, what they're giving you is not helping you gotta ask questions and raise the flags up there and i I think a kicker for me was that my wife was like you know you need help and i was like no i don't need help you know i'm I'm good (laughs) (laughs) i'm straight i'll handle this shit myself and uh it wasn't like she was giving me an ultimatum but i could see that she was like at towards the end you know yeah like she was like she's she's just fed up with this shit like henry going 100 miles per hour every day is fucking too much for me you know he's just, he's just too much yeah like you need to learn how to just calm down and like just be normal <laughs> but for me being normal was always oh, going 100 miles per hour and i was happy with that yeah. you know but it was such it was so hard it was a hard routine for me to come out of i honestly i didn't even know where to go i just know like i needed to go to the va and i needed help what for i don't know yeah i just know i need to be here so then you having that mindset of going 100 miles per hour not wanting to stop right um what did make you stop like what clicked in your head that you're like oh shit henry needs to stop well you know going going 100 miles per hour on top of that like i went out i got a bike you know (laughs) what's wrong with bikes i got a motorcycle nothing but when you're going like (laughs) literally like over 100 miles per hour everywhere it's that's true it's a little crazy and i remember you know my kid telling me like you know dad you're gonna kill yourself i remember my i remember those words exactly I was riding by, we were coming back from my grandma's house and um, my wife was driving her car, I had my bike. And I like zoomed right past them, zoom. My son, when we got home, he, he was, uh, man, I wanna say like three, four maybe. Mm-hmm. And I remember him telling me, he was dead serious, looking me in my eyes, he said, dad, like you're, ride, you're riding too, you're going too fast. I don't want you to kill yourself. And like at that exact moment, I remember it snapped for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, you need to fucking snap out of it. like stop doing dumb shit yeah you know like everyone's at the end of their line with you you know you just like you just you just kind of out of control mm-hmm. you, you need to you need to come back come back you know and and fix yourself yeah and that was it for me like i ended up selling my bike right after that sold it to one of my buddies that was stationed in oceanside i'm like here buddy you take it <laughs> <laughs> well uh, it's, it's funny that you say that because our, our last guest that we had uh doc um he was saying something similar where where he was kind of getting to a point where where his significant other was like hey like you you really need to figure out what's going on with Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. um but you know that's good that you found it yeah that's that's really good yeah it's a long it was a long process you know i mean i'm I'm even still going through it now but now it's more for like physical injuries right you know Mm -hmm. i had back surgery through the va Uh, ultimately that's what stopped my barbering career Mm. I had to change careers, uh, stop doing hair or working at a salon that I was working at in uh, downtown Claremont, uh, Cut House. I was working there for five years. Um, and my back just got worse over time. It's just like wear and tear. Yeah. And I, you know, I was doing like an old course one time and jumped down off the off the uh, wall and, and I just felt like a pop in my back. And over time, it just got worse. I feel that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Go get that checked out, bro. <laughs> but, yeah, it got worse. And, you know, ultimately, I needed, needed to have back surgery. I had back surgery through the VA, which 
obviously I'm, I'm still kind of jacked up, you know, yeah. but um, I, I can't stand for more than a couple hours like to do hair. And wow. So, I'm, you know, it's a blessing in disguise. I ended up having to change careers because now I get to sit at work, talk shit all day with other <laughs> veterans, you know, like there's Marines there, Army guys, like all we do is talk shit. And that's one thing that I missed. I missed that camaraderie mm-hmm. from the military, yeah. you know, leaving because there was nowhere else that I could get that. Right. Did and that's one of the reasons why I felt lost. Did you do Vogue Rehab? I haven't. No. I, no. I, one of my buddies mentioned it to me. Hey, yeah. man, you do Vogue Rehab? I was like, what the hell is Vogue Rehab? <laughs> yeah. Vogue Rehab is like, let's say you hurt your knee. In your case, you hurt your back. And because you can't do your profession anymore, well, uh, the VA will try to find you a different position in mm-hmm. your case mm-hmm. um, to make sure that you stay stable and you have mm-hmm. a, a income and won't lose your whole life pretty much. Yeah. Just because of your injury on in the military and see those are that's a that's a prime example of the resources that the va has Mm because i didn't know about voc rehab until pretty recent Mm -hmm. and i'm like what the hell is voc rehab (laughs) you know and then he explained it to me my buddy did explain it to me and i'm like oh dang i didn't know about that yeah but there's like so there's a list of resources out there for veterans it's it's kind of tough because like you really hear them hearing them from another veteran Mm -hmm. especially somebody that's been through it you're like oh dang you went through it well what happened yeah good results okay i'll try it right right so there's so many people that so many veterans that give up on on that process so you're telling us it works like the process works you just got to stick with it it's a process you have to be patient with and i think a lot of us are just impatient because i was one of them that was super impatient yeah i was giving up i'm like cancel my appointment and fuck you you know, uh, I don't care. I don't care who you are. Like, I'm telling you, I was talking to the doctors like that. Okay, well, sw- I'm going to switch my doctor then. Yeah. And then they sw- I'll switch my doctor because you can request to switch your doctor. Right. Oh, yeah. I would switch my doctor and the doctor's same. That doctor would tell me the exact same thing the other doctor told me. And I'm like, what the hell is up with you guys here? Do you, all you guys do it like this? Yeah. This system sucks. Yeah. I'm not coming back. But then now you can be a possible st- statistic right you know which is yeah. what they're trying to avoid and that's the thing that i tried to uh, explain to my fellow veterans my brothers my sisters is that it's a it's a long process it's a sucky process but it works if you be patient you yeah. know like i've been i filed for disability for the injuries that i had in the military and that whole process too is like a roller coaster yeah but you know ultimately it's like you had back surgery obviously we can see you're fucked up yeah and you got injured while you served like file for your disability now right you know but some veterans aren't even aware that you can file for s- certain disabilities and it's like hey man you got a fucked up ankle yeah file right how did that happen pt yeah. okay file yeah. yeah like don't don't be prideful just file you know I'm, I'm still dealing with that and i've i'm still hitting hurdles uh, however i have not given up yet and you know it's frustrating because and again i'm sure you see this frequently it's frustrating because uh, i know veterans um that um you know ha- have not experienced any combat um and they're like 100 <laughs> percent like, oh yeah yeah like, I've seen, at I've like seen ptsd and yeah. you know someone like myself that's been through you know a few tours mm-hmm. um i'm legitimately fighting for stuff like tbi um I, I you know IBS from like malaria uh, that you know uh, some of us contract contract when we were 
on our first tour and like I'm getting like zero percent I'm not getting any answers back and it's very frustrating but I also know that I'm at the point in, in my life where I know that the VA is a process like you said <laughs> like you were explaining um, and the only way that you will not get help for sure is if you stop the process mm -hmm. yeah so so part of that process that I explained to my buddies is like you got to build your case and and as, as shitty as it sounds like you got to build your case that means like Go into your doctor appointments, doctor appointment, doctor appointment, doctor appointment. Eventually, your file starts to get fatter, and they start to see you keep going in for this specific problem that you have or this issue, you know, this health issue that you're having, and that's building your file. Yeah. So, you know, I, I didn't file for disability at all because I didn't even, I wasn't even aware. Yeah. But when I did, yeah. my file was so fat on, like, my back, going through physical therapy, getting back shots, cortisone going through uh, aqua therapy getting acupuncture like all these visits and all these uh, uh different outlets that i was going to for my back uh -huh. eventually kept piling up yeah so when i did file for my back they're like oh shit this guy's legit his back is legit messed up yeah so it, it was like a no-brainer for right. me to get dis a disability uh percentage for that and um you know the same thing goes for for mental issues mm -hmm. go see yeah. your therapist and eventually you know you see your therapist every two weeks or once a month that file gets fatter and then you file for disability and they see you you've actually been attending for this issue yeah. and there's your percentage yeah i i don't understand that well I, I understand that you have to build your package but some people come out there like oh i have flat foot now or i have sleep apnea well, well they, some people know the system though. yeah that's, well that's they the do yeah I, I know a lot of people that know the system and uh, and you know like it it ruins it i don't want to say it ruins it puts a bad taste in the veteran's mouth to actually have the issues For sure. because they see the ones mm -hmm. i know a veteran that actually never left the fob when i was in iraq and got ptsd like 50 or 60 percent and i'm like what the f mother effer <laughs> yeah. are you serious bro like you never even left the fob yeah. you didn't do one mission at all yeah. what, what the heck so that's crazy to me but you know if if you do have issues that were listed on while you were active duty obviously that's a yeah. that's a no-brainer as well yeah and it, go ahead. I, was, I was just gonna say that and, and that's what i've heard too is that that a lot of a lot of the stuff with the va with getting um like people getting their percentages up a lot of it's just you know they're good at selling mm -hmm. selling their disabilities and um which is you know it's unfortunate because then you have some other people like you know that jaime that to him you know he doesn't need to sell it he, he he did it we believe him right but then you have someone behind a screen that's saying oh no no well we need more we need more um and and that's because he probably isn't the best salesman when he comes to going to the doctors or something well that and probably because he's like you know i'm i don't need i don't need money for this right you know? like yeah. i was like that too like I, with my back injury I don't need what do i need to go file for there's there's guys that have legit issues like 10 <laughs> times worse than me yeah. i'm not gonna file i don't i don't need to file yeah. i feel stupid I, I actually have a uh, a really good a quick story that i think it's actually important for any veteran that's like listening to this with ptsd um it, i think it's every five years you have to go you have to go for an exam again yes. right mm -hmm. reevaluate reevaluate yeah. it's every five years right yes and after i was diagnosed with ptsd for the first time uh i went to this exam and um, the psychiatrist or whoever, whoever it was that was evaluating me, she was a female. Um, she was asking me these very personal questions. And I told her, I'm like, hey, with all due respect, 
I don't feel comfortable talking about like these really personal experiences that I've had over there. And she's like, okay, I'm just gonna put some blanket statements down, no big deal. I'm like, okay, sounds cool. This is the first time I ever went to my, my, uh, my exam. This was years back. I got a letter in the mail that they decreased my rating by like 30%. I, I, I was shocked, dude. Mm-hmm. I was like blown away. I'm like, they expect me to tell this chick that I've never met in my mm-hmm. life these personal stories mm-hmm. that are like super emotional or whatever. And, you know, I didn't and I got my, my rating decreased. I was able to go back at the next time, but I had that rating for like five years until I went back the next time. Yeah, that's 100% true. And they that ended up decreasing happen. it again because I was like, you know, I told the guy last time, I'm like, hey, man, this lady freaking decreased decrease my my ptsd and like right. you know what i mean and and because i wasn't going to share these stories with her i don't even know who she is so, yeah I, I didn't know every five years they would well it's it's you. every time you try to file for a disability yeah. for well for that disability so like let's just say your right. ptsd is getting worse and you try to refile for a higher increase on your ptsd then they do another evaluation but if you've had that same issue for five years yeah they reevaluate you because gotcha. mm-hmm. some people go to their dental appointments and they get told like we can't see you your rating has changed mm. and they get they get letters right saying that you're yeah they do yeah but they show up saying oh well i didn't know nobody told me but mm. right away they, they get flags like sorry we can't see you till you fix your, your rating no that way. that's part of the that's part and i'm just you know let's just cl- let me be clear that i'm just giving my you know experiences with the va yeah so that's what i mean by building your file like if you if you're not going to go see someone for your PTSD within five years, obviously it looks like you don't have PTSD anymore right. to the VA, right. you know, and that's why they're like quick to say, hey, we're going to decrease your your PTSD rating, yeah. or come and get reevaluated again, and then we'll bump it up. But then you got to go through the whole process again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had I had to do that with my back, so I didn't go see pain clinic for like a year, right? And I was like, because COVID and everything, they weren't even seeing patients face to face, so. Every time they would try to schedule me an appointment, I'd say no, because what am I going to do with a video appointment? I'm right. in pain. Right. I need to see a doctor, like physical doctor, not just over video, right. Right. asking me how my back's doing. You can't <laughs> give me a shot through the video, <laughs> no. you know? So, so the whole year went by. I didn't see pain clinic at all. I come back a year later saying, hey, my back's after surgery. Yeah. My back is my back's like it's feeling bad. Yeah. I need some kind of cortisone shot, you know? Hey, we haven't seen you in a year. That's the first thing they said. We haven't seen you in a year. How, how's your back doing? Are you doing better? No, I'm not doing better. Well, how come we haven't seen you in a year? And then I have to explain to them, well, you guys had COVID. You guys weren't allowing patients to come in here and see them, you know, face to face. You guys were trying to give me video appointments. I canceled them because it was pointless. Oh, and they were like completely shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how did you not know you guys didn't, weren't seeing patients for a year? Yeah, well, I remember. Yeah, we weren't seeing patients for a year, but... <laughs> okay, so now you're trying to write something bad in my file because I haven't came in a year. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys. Now I see why veterans get pissed, you yeah. know? Yeah, shoot. But it, it happens, and that's the frustrating part. It's like, try to stay patient, yeah. you know, try to keep your cool. Like, don't say anything bad because they will put a flag on your record. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, if you, if you act crazy or, like, you know, you, you burst out or, like, yeah. You threaten anybody at the VA. You, you say you, something inappropriate to one of yep. the ladies. Yeah, they will. They will put a flag on your on your uh, chart as soon as they type up your social. Like a flag will pop up. They Ooh. see you. They're like, Fruit. hey, we need to call the police for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's a little aggressive. No, we, yeah. we have a patient that yeah. has to get escorted mm-hmm. into the. No way. And then the cop is just like, 
they're waiting till it's over. Mm-hmm. Wow. And half the time they're just like pissed because of something simple like I just explained, you know? Right. Yeah. I haven't been here for a year. I just told you why I haven't been here for a year. Aren't you fucking listening? Yeah. And you know, it's like, whoa, sir, calm down. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to you don't have to cuss at me while I'm fucking explaining to you, but you're not listening. Yeah. And and there and there it goes, right? It's literally Track. that quick. Yep. Damn. Bam. There goes your flag. Damn. You're done. You are not welcome. <laughs> I think it's important to know that we're not shit talking the VA. No, I'm not. No, I'm, no, I'm completely no, no. not talking it, shit talking the VA. It no. works. I love the VA. It yes. works. You just got to be patient. And I remember Fred said, we had Fred on. He was kind of echoing what he's saying that, and think about it, it makes sense. If you go on there the first time and you put in a claim for traumatic brain injury, for irritable bowel syndrome, for PTSD, right. for hearing, tinnitus, and you get it all approved, like what? Everybody's going to go do it, right? Everybody's yeah. gonna yeah. be like, "Dude, I have tinnitus." Yeah, I shit my pants. I got irritable bowel syndrome, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, and we all know that not everybody has those issues, right? right. So they gotta vet the process. So I get, I get why it's so tedious. Um, but yeah, the, the advice is to anybody that's going through it right now to keep with it. Yeah, just to keep with it, right? Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I need to go back for my back. Supposed <laughs> to copy that. No. Well, you, you know, one thing that I that stands out to me is that the ones who have legit issues are the ones having the most the, the most problems trying to go in and mm-hmm. file a claim. They don't want to, <laughs> you know. It, Hundred. It's it, yeah. I mean, I, well, I talk to I'll talk to veterans. I talk to veterans all day. Even some of my buddies, and and they tell me their disabilities, and I'm like, when did you get that? Yeah. Or how did you get that? And they explain to me, and I'm like, oh, okay, makes sense. But the ones that actually saw like combat, you know, they just don't want, they don't want the help. Like oh. it, it doesn't mean anything to them because it's like, I'm strong enough to deal with my issues. I can, I can handle it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get through it. I don't need any help. And, um, those are the ones that I try to push to, to get mm-hmm. in and get help because I know that they need it, you know? Yeah. And that always manifests into something else, right? Like if yeah, you let oh, that, yes. if you let that permeate, it's like, it's like a cancer, right? Mm-hmm. It's at some point, it's it starts off small, but it grows mm-hmm. and it spreads, right? And it spreads, and that's when it starts causing issues in your life, right? Marriages fall apart. Yes, you start drinking, drugs, suicidal tendencies, mental health problems, all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, kudos to kudos to you, like for thank like, you, brother. You know, uh, like nipping it in the butt, mm-hmm. so to speak, and and encouraging people to you know where they're may they may seem too tough because i think we were all there we all talked mm-hmm. about it before we may have been there at some point we're just so tough to like oh yeah no we don't need that that's mm-hmm. you know that's for pussies but um that that's certainly it snowballs for sure yeah, yeah my brother served uh, four years active um he was out there in kenya <clears throat> they had uh, some combat out there and he was like straight up nope i'm not going to the va don't need it yeah and um he was one of the ones that I pushed hard to go see the VA. And as soon as he did file and he went to go see the VA, it was like a no brainer. Like they gave him whatever he filed for. Right. And, and, but it was like, it was such a tussle with him just to even try to get in to see the doctor. Period. I don't even see no doctor. What for? I'm fine. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm serious. That's how he was. He was so nonchalant about it, but I know he was struggling and I know he was dealing with something. So he was one of the main ones that I talked to when I came back from Iraq, like, Hey, um, when you were out there in Kenya, you know, like, were you thinking like this or 
you know, were you antsy when you came back? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. You, you know, you should probably see a doctor for that, too. Yeah. And um, so it was it was good to have my brother there who had been through what he'd been through and, and have somebody that I can talk to on the level that I was on. Because mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a struggle itself, you know, having somebody to talk to when it comes to somebody that's deal with, dealt with what you were going through. Yeah. Now, on that topic right there, um, the team that, that, that you work with, is mm-hmm. it majority veterans or is there a couple civilians there? Uh, at the VA? Well, with, with your specific department. like. Oh, yeah. So I work with a lot of social... Uh, well, pff, I want to say like a good 80% of them social workers. Are, but are they civilians yeah. or... A uh, little bit of both. There Some civilians, the veterans that are social workers, obviously, like, I got a good relationship with. Yeah, because um, I was going to say, I feel like, you know, having a team of veterans going out and trying to get these homeless veterans would ring, you know, so much louder to them because they feel like it's a brother or a sister right. um, trying to reach out to them and saying, hey, like, we understand. I feel like the empathy would sound more true with a team. That's like why that. That's why they, they um, have some of the program support assistants go with them who are, who are veterans. So, mm. like, we'll, we'll go with them in the morning because the first thing that the veteran's going to ask is, who the F are you? Yeah. Are you a veteran? No. Yeah. Then get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know, leave me the F alone. And it's like, whoa, man, hey, relax. Who are you? <laughs> uh, I'm Henry, man. I'm, I'm here to help you. Yeah. Are you a veteran? Did you serve? Yes, I did. I served in the Corps, man. Oh, hey, man, what's going right, on, bro? Right, right, yeah. You know? That's what I'm and saying. Then <laughs> and then their tone changes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, it does make it's a huge deal being a veteran, you know, trying to talk to another veteran because that's the first question they're going to ask. Are you a veteran? Right. And depending on your answer is the kind of response you're going to get, right. you know. Yeah. But a lot of the uh, social workers that I do work with, have some kind of family member or you know some kind of experience with the military mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them just didn't sign up you know right, like right. hey i'm a civilian i want to be a social worker case manager right. for the homeless program um a lot of them have family members or fathers or brothers who served and that they kind of just want to give back you know they want to help right. the community veteran if, community if, if you want to give back I, i'm one of well, actually this guy mr buffington he the one that wrote this book mm-hmm. He took multiple classes to help um, the veterans through counseling sessions, through mm. guided discussions. And if, if you are interested and you're a service member, you look up the VA and then try to see if uh, you get some certificates and if yeah. you want to do some guided discussions with the vets if you think you can help other people. Um, what book is that, this, this is a... Oh, go ahead. There <laughs> you go. What, 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 what's the book? Oh, yeah. This, this is by um, Mr. Greg Buffington. He's because Pardon My Silence... No, this he in his downtime he writes some serious. There is one here. Let, let let me let me see one real quick. There's, <laughs> I, think, I think I remember one of the. Wow. No, Did we point it out one of them? There's one of them. Yeah, really we, we good were just there. reading through it, and then one of them we just yeah. kind of shut, shut us down pretty much. But he he volunteers his time, um, and he has helped many of the vets. That, uh, this one I found it. Found it almost right away. Are you gonna read us a, um, a bedtime story? Yeah, I'm a, a haiku. Yeah, I'm gonna read you guys a, a little bedtime story with my little lisp that I just picked up. Please. So this one actually, well, I think it's the one that we were talking about. Yeah. Because um, so yeah, uh, Sergio actually gave gave you and I a copy Correct. of this book. He, w- he wanted to give you two guys a copy. No, of this well, book, so. you know, thank you to Greg Buffington. Um, so this uh this poem is called "I Cry at Night." When the battle has taken a recess and I have a few moments alone, 
I cry at night. No one can see my tears at night. At daylight, I must show that I'm ready to fight. Only at night can I ask God why some lived and some died and cry at night. So that one, like... That was a good one. That one hits because I, I, I remember reading that one just because... Uh, and, and it hitting me because I was like, dude, like, it's... So true. It's like in those moments of solace and and you know by yourself that you really start digging deep and and really start finding out who you really are um but no he he has he has a lot of good ones in here as well um, i kind of i kind of wanted that one to keep going <laughs> <laughs> it was like pre- that was pretty good it was a short hit it, like, yeah, it impactful, was yeah like super impactful and yeah we actually talked about that one huh? some one of us found that one in there i think it was uq but yeah, yeah. the marine corps birthday yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it yeah, was at the right. Marine Corps birthday. Celebration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really cool, really cool book. Um, his poems. Um, but as as we wrap up here, uh, Henry, what's uh, what's some advice that you would give to a a veteran getting out and trying to find or trying to pave his path in a new life? For sure, have a plan. When I say have a plan, that means, you know, if you have a job lined up, I would I would even say, I would even go as far to the point to say, submit and start looking for jobs six months before you get out. So, or maybe even three to six months before you get out. So, you, you know, you just notify the company that you're, you're in the military, you're getting ready to end your contract, and you're willing to... Um, go through the interviews or whatever you need to go through or the process you need to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's your end of contract date. So this is the date that you'll be separated. Um, it's a struggle if you get out and you feel like it's a reward to sit around and do nothing. You know, <laughs> when you get out, it sucks. But if you don't have a plan at some, t- at some point, I actually felt like, Hey man, I busted my ass for however many years, you know, I'm out. Like I deserve to chill and do nothing. Like, I'm serious. I'll, I'll just collect unemployment. You know, yeah. I do nothing. But mm-hmm. it it actually it's it doesn't help at all. Yeah, it puts you in a rut, honestly, mm-hmm. because now you figure out that you're not doing shit. Yeah, you're not doing anything, and now you don't really feel productive. Mm-hmm. And then it just snowballs from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you do have a plan, either get ready to sign up for school or or get a job, have some kind of plan that's going to keep you productive or in a in a structure or some kind of a routine. You know. If you stay in a routine, you never got to come out of one. And that's kind of that, that's kind of like, that's kind of like where I'm at right now, you know. I stay in a routine when it comes to exercising, when it comes to being productive. Uh, every day I can, I can tell you what I'm doing next week. Yeah. Every day. I can tell you what I'm doing next week. And that's that's how productive I tried to stay. Right. You know, but but the main the main thing that I adjusted to with my schedule is focusing on you know god and my family and the time that i give them now and rather than just giving myself my time Mm. and um that was a huge adjustment for me and and that was a struggle honestly because if i want to get up and go to the gym at two in the morning leave me the fuck alone i'm gonna go to the gym (laughs) you know that's just what i'm gonna do don't say shit to me i'm gonna do it i'm gonna go do it and and that was tough for me to just be like hey what do we got going on right you know damn it so i can't go to the gym no so all right, I guess I'll find another time to go then. Yeah. And, and that was a struggle for me, just having to not be able to get up and do whatever I wanted to do like that, you know. But things are good now. Things are smooth. And, you know, 
my kids are good, my wife is good, family's good, and um, I enjoy what I do working for the VA, helping veterans. I, d I don't have a feeling where I have to show up to work and I just don't want to do anything, you right. know? Like, I show up to work, I get to talk shit with my office mate, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, shoot the shit yeah. while we help veterans. And um, honestly, there was a reason. There was a, a God had a different plan for my life to be here to give my testimony and help other veterans to get to where they need to be there you, know? you go man so amen to that man well hey god bless yeah we appreciate you appreciate you coming yeah. on thank you for sharing all thank your you stories you. and thank you for your service thank you for your service outside of your your military service and thank trying you. to reach out to, to to veterans in need man you know we need a we need a lot more of you for sure you know um serge anything oh well, you heard it twice in these last couple of episodes. Um, you gotta, when you're asking for help, you you have to be truthful to the, to your doctors, to your therapist. Mm -hmm. You can't sugarcoat. Mm -hmm. You can't sugarcoat it. You just kind of got to come out with it. Um, the second time I heard it, and I'm gonna practice it when, whenever I decide <laughs> to, to go see a counselor. It's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sign. No, that jar yeah, is yeah. loosening up. But, but, it's, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> but yeah, just, just be truthful to your um, the doctors and the therapists that are trying to help you. Oh, boy. They're there for a reason. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jaime. Yeah, uh, this is for Henry. Um, you know, you're truly doing God's work. Like the reason we started this podcast was to reach out to, you know, veterans and first responders that are suffering in some way, shape or form. And I really want to convey to you um, that don't stop what you're doing because for every one that you save, like two more mm. fall back in that category. So right. God bless you. There's not enough of people doing what you're doing, but we're grateful that you are doing what you're doing because, you know, you're saving some of our brothers and sisters out there um, that have experienced some pretty fucked up shit. And uh, thank God there's people like you that exist to, to help him. So uh, God bless and cheers you, brother. Thank you, brother. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, On that yeah. note, Henry, thank you, brother. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. We appreciate you. Cheers, brother. I just want to say you guys are doing a great thing. You know, you guys provided a safe space for veterans, including myself, to come here, shoot the shit, right? But <laughs> but uh, ultimately get down to the nitty-gritty mm -hmm. and, the, and the stuff that, Oh, yeah. Some of us just really don't want to hear, yep. you know. Yep. Yep. That's right. No, and um, you guys are doing a great job, and um, you guys have my support 100%. I cheers. appreciate you, brother. Cheers, 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 cheers. Thank you, Henry. Cheers, boys. Whiskey and War Stories out.